So hey guys, we're starting a, a series. Um, we're starting a series in the month of August as, as Steve is is uh, taken off. Um, we're going to go through the book of 1 John. So if you uh, want to open up your Bibles, if you have the Word of God, uh, please open it up. Um, or if you have your app or whatnot, you can, um, you can do that as well. Um, so yeah, go to 1 John, uh, just chapter 1. Um, and uh, just to give a little bit of overview of 1 John, how it was written, um, I was reading through this and uh, it just jumped out at me um, that this book, uh, 1 John, this letter, was written by John, who was the last disciple uh, to die. Out of all the disciples, out of all the men that, that walked with Jesus, John was the last to die. He was also the closest uh, to, to Jesus. Um, he refers to himself uh, in, in the Gospel of John as um, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? That's not, that's not a prideful thing, but that's, that's the truth. Um, it was, uh, he was the closest disciple to Jesus. And uh, so we get to read this letter, and, and really it's like, it's like we're reading the, 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 we're getting into the mind of the person who knew Jesus the most, who knew Jesus the most. And, and uh, he, he knew Jesus so well, and Jesus loved him so much that he actually had a, a visitation, a vision from Jesus uh, post-resurrection, post-ascension. Um, Jesus came back and, and spoke to John because he loved him that much. And, and, we, and this is the letter. This is, this is what we get to read, and, and uh, he, uh, uh, he would teach as well in his later years of life. He would, he would come into congregations and, and teach, and his teachings weren't from from books. It wasn't, it wasn't from like, oh, well, this is what somebody else wrote. This is what somebody else wrote down that they, that they thought about Jesus. No, his teachings were, well, I remember hanging out with Jesus, and this is what he said, and this is what he did, and this is what it meant. And that was, that was how he taught uh, at the end of his life, because he knew who Jesus was. And unlike a lot of the other letters that we read in the Bible, um, unlike uh, a lot of Paul's letters, the, um, 1 John doesn't have a, a uh, coherent um, maybe path or point or purpose. He's just kind of, it seems, when you read through it, it just kind of seems like he's rambling a little bit, and he goes in circles a lot. But if there is any one theme that sticks out, it's knowing Jesus. That's what our series is going to be called. It's going to be called Knowing Jesus, because John knew who he was. He knew him like a good friend because he spent so much time with him. Uh, and he wrote this letter to um, say, to encourage his readers, you can know Jesus as well. You can know him like a good friend. You can know who he is, and you can know that you have salvation through Jesus Christ. And he, he wanted to encourage um, his readers that way. Um, really, I think, and as, as I read it, just, man, this letter is just filled with passion. He is filled with passion because he's talking about his closest friend, Jesus. It, isn't that what we would like to be as well? We're talking about our closest friend, Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to read uh, one, verses 1 through 10, and uh, you can follow along. It'll be up on the screen. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched, with our hands, concerning the word of life. He's talking about Jesus there. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have with us. 
And indeed, our fellowship, I'm sorry, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, we have fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we, ha- we, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we, wa- uh, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Hey, let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, I would ask for your grace on us this morning. Um, I would ask that you would open up our hearts and minds to understand your word better, to get to know Jesus more, and that we would truly be encouraged uh, by your um, written word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've got a joke in the youth ministry, um, Wilson and I do. Um, We talk about our friends uh, and our, the kids say, we say that a lot of our friends are dead. Because we talk about our friends like Charles Spurgeon and Martin Luther. And if you guys know, they're, they're dead and gone, but we talk about them like, hey, this is our friend, because we read them all the time, right? We, we, like, we like reading the, uh, the, the commentaries of, of these old dead guys, and um, we spend so much time with them, they're like, hey, uh, he's our friend, right? And I think uh, I fooled the kids, um, or they may have been surprised because one of my f- real friends came down and visited us at camp, and he led worship, and I'm like, look guys, I have real friends that are alive. Uh, not all my friends are dead, <laughs> right? But we, we, have, we have this joke that's like, hey, um, this is my friend. I was, spent, I was hanging out with my friend the other day, Charles Spurgeon. And if you guys know um, me, if, you, if you've been in my office, I've got a, I've got a poster of Charles on my, on my wall. I, I enjoy him. I like him. Um, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I don't really know Charles Spurgeon, right? I know a lot about him, right? I, I, I know that he was born in 1834, and he was the oldest of his family of 17 children, right? I know that uh, he was born um, into a little bit of a hardship financially, so he got shipped off to grow up with his grandfather. Uh, I, I know that uh, his grandfather was a reformed preacher, and, and he would read the Puritans to him. Right? I, I, I know that uh, Spurgeon was called the Prince of Preachers because he was so great at preaching and that he pastored uh, Park Street Church. And uh, at the age of 17, he was preaching to hundreds of people. I know all this stuff about my friend Charles, <laughs> but I don't know him, right? I don't know him. I know about him, but I don't know him. And the difference with Jesus is that we can know about him, but we can know him. Because Jesus isn't dead, like Charles, right? Jesus is alive. He conquered the grave so that we can know him. We can talk to him now, and we can spend time with Jesus because he's alive. And John understood that. John understood that Jesus was a living person that we could know intimately. He starts out in verse 
in verse 5. I'm going to spend most of our time in verses 5 through 10. He starts out, he says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. See, he says, this is the message and, it, and what, what is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus Christ f- alive from the grave, no longer dead, the, uh, dying for our sins, making way for us to come to God and know God. He said, this is the message that we proclaim to you. This is the message we have heard. And it's because of this that our lives change. Uh, see, Jesus is not no longer—he's not a distant entity that we can think about and and. Maybe if we, if we try really hard, then maybe we can grasp him, right? We can wrap our minds around him. No, that's not Jesus. Uh, Jesus is personal, and we can know him. We can spend time with him. And I, I tell the youth all the time, I, go, I want you to just spend time with Jesus. I want you to open up your Bibles and read. And, and some of the, my favorite time of day is when I get to have coffee with Jesus in the morning, right? You, you pour yourself a cup of joe, maybe from the spotted cow. It's really good there. And uh, if, if I'm not here at the church, I'm probably there. Uh, you, you, you can read, you can read from Jesus. You can read about Jesus. You can talk to Jesus because he's not distant anymore. God is not distant anymore. God is here and we can talk to him. See, John understood that. He, he, uh, he knew Jesus and he wanted his readers to know Jesus as well. That's why his whole his whole, book, his whole letter is all about Jesus Christ, right? He wanted his readers to know Jesus as well. He understood that knowing Jesus has to result in life change. He says, if you meet Jesus, if you really meet him and understand him and spend time with him, your life will be changed. He knew that. That's why he talks in absolutes. If you read through uh, his letters, there's a lot of like, if this, then that. Like, if you know Jesus, then this will happen. If you spend time with him, then this will happen. He speaks in absolutes because he knew if you really met him, if you really met Jesus, your life would change. He knew, he knew John knew the real life and freedom that is found only in Jesus Christ. That's why he talks about what Jesus has accomplished for us. He talks about what Jesus has accomplished because it's what Jesus has accomplished that gives us freedom to live apart from sin and to, and to no longer be bound by sins. He talks about what Jesus has accomplished. And he knew, uh, he knew that God was distant and he was, he, God was communicating with his people, but he said, you know what, that's not enough. So I'm going to send my son, Jesus, so that I will no longer be distant from my people, so that I can be one with my people, so that I can be in communication and communion with my people. uh, John knew that, and that's why he talks all about Jesus and how uh, Jesus is the way for us to get to God. See, God in the Old Testament would communicate through people, right? He'd communicate through individuals, Moses or David or his judges. He'd communicate through individual people for the rest of his people, right? And that's not the case any longer because now Jesus came and he bridged the gap so that we can talk to God through Jesus Christ. And John understood that. Uh, I was, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, I studied English in college because I didn't want to study math. 
It was really, that was really, at the end of the day, it was like, I really don't like numbers. Um, not the book. Um, <laughs> I like the book. I like the Bible. I don't like things that have to do with numbers and carrying fractions. But I don't know any, like, oh, it just, it's the worst, right? Uh, for those of you that are, like, engineers, you're like, hmm, I like that. No, uh, numbers, I want to stay away from them, right? Uh, so I was like, okay, what's the furthest thing I can get, get from dealing with numbers? Oh, English, okay? So I studied English, uh, and I, I discovered something. Um, in one of my classes, they were talking about uh, this thing called um, self-inclusion, that a writer or an author would be writing a story, and he would or she would um, want to insert herself or himself into the story so that their readers could get a better understanding of who the author was. The authors would, would look, they'd be writing and say, okay, you know, uh, I want my readers to know who I am a little bit. I want my readers to uh, know about me a little bit. Um, and the best way for that to happen um, would be to insert myself into the story as a character. I'm going to give a character some of the traits that I have in real life. So that as this person is reading the, uh, my book, they'll, they'll be reading this character and they might not even know it, but they're getting to know me the author, because I've put my traits on this person. God looked at the world and said, you know what? If I want my people to know me, I'm going to have to write myself into the story. That's where he came as Jesus Christ, so that we could know God. How amazing is it that we can know the creator of the universe? We can know him like we know a good friend. And when we meet Jesus, as John puts it, there are, there, there are real life changes and there are real benefits that come uh, from meeting Jesus Christ. There are inescapable results that come from knowing Jesus Christ. In, in verses uh, 7 through 10, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. I love that. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That is, if we say that Jesus' death was for nothing, that he didn't cleanse any sin in our lives, we lie. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he repeats again, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. See, the result of Jesus coming was, is, is cleansing our sin. This is Sunday School 101. Uh, I know that many of these students, many of you guys have grown up in church, right? You know, as, as, as Steve said uh, uh, at camp, says, what's, what's furry, has claws, and climbs trees? Jesus, right? No, uh, that's the Sunday School answer a lot of the time, right? We, kn- we know what Jesus did, right? We know, okay, yeah, he died on the cross for our sins. I got it, right? I can sing the songs. I know the Bible verse. I know John 3.16. But if we really understand, okay, he cleansed us from sin, there, are, there is results of that. Inescapable results of knowing Jesus Christ cleansed you from sin. And uh, as John lays out in this first chapter here, it's, it's fellowship. When, when we know Jesus and we believe and trust in him as our Savior, the result is fellowship. Um, okay, I'll be honest. Fellowship it's kind of a strange word. I've grown up in church, and so it wasn't really strange for me. Like, 
my church would be, hey, we're going to have a potluck after church and we're going to fellowship. And I never thought anything of it because that's how I grew up, right? Probably some of you might be the same way. Like, why? Fellowship's not a weird word. But no, it is. Take a step back and like, fellowship. No, no, you won't use that word really in any other time. We don't, like, you don't, ESPN doesn't say, hey, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have the Seahawks game is going to be on and a bunch of people are going to come out to CenturyLink Field and fellowship. <laughs> right? <laughs> that doesn't happen because, <laughs> no, it's, it's a, it's Christianese a little bit, Right? And it's a weird word, and when I use it, I kind of feel, I kind of feel like, okay, I'm Amish, and I, like, my mom and my sisters make clothes for me, and I work, like, 15 hours out in the field harvesting crops, and I sing songs at, at dinner, and that's kind of what I feel like when I use the word. I'm glad I don't work 15 hours out in the field because I don't think I could hack it, and I'm glad I get to play dodgeball instead because I can do that. Um, I love my job. <laughs> But fellowship is kind of a weird word, right? Okay, it's, it's kind of a weird word, but the Bible uses it, so we're going to use it and we're going to love it, okay? Uh, so <laughs> the truth is, we have fellowship with one another in this body, with Christians, because of Jesus Christ. Because, that he, ha- because he has cleansed us from sin— we have fellowship with one another. We know one another. We have real conversations with one another. We're into each other's lives because we have freedom in what Jesus Christ has done. See, the world has fellowship too, right? But their fellowship out in the world is a lot different than ours in the church, or at least it should be. Maybe it isn't, but it should be different than ours in the church. See, the fellowship out in the world, it's like, dude, sports, dude, the Mariners lost again, dude. Uh, Seahawks, right? It's, uh, it, that's a fellowship out there, or like, OMG, Pinterest. Uh, OMG, Nordstrom sales. I don't know what girls talk about, but... <laughs> but that's, that's, the, that's the fellowship, fellowship out, out in the world. Surface level, right? Surface level. And, and you can have good friends, and you can uh, depend on people, and, and you go a little bit deeper with people. Uh, but in the church... Among the body of believers, our fellowship should look different. Our, uh, how we interact with people should look different and should be different than our friendships outside of the church. Uh, it, it should be, hey, how can I encourage you? How, what are you struggling with? Uh, let's talk about the difficulty of, of leading our family while also uh, dealing with the effects of sin. Let's, let's talk about uh, how, how, well you, how well we're praying with our, with our kids or with our wives. Let's talk about that. How can we encourage each other? Let's talk about uh, how difficult it is at the workplace because I stood up for what's right and I'm getting ridiculed. Can you encourage me? That should be our fellowship inside the church. That should be how, that should, that's how we should act. We should be different than those outside. And I would, I'm going to take this point. I'm going to encourage you guys um, uh, I don't—I feel like uh, talking to adults is, is, I'll be honest, a little scary. So I'm going to talk to the kids, and you guys can listen. I'm going to challenge you guys. I'll encourage them. I'll challenge you guys to read 1 John, or 1 John, right? To read 1 John this week. And you can actually probably read it every single day of this week because it's like four pages, right? It's really short, but it's so good. I'm going to challenge you guys, read 1 John. 
And then when you guys see each other at a live in the park, or when you guys see each other at sports games or in the grocery store, you can ask each other, hey, uh, did you read today? What, what stuck out to you? What is God speaking to you? That's how we encourage each other. That's how our fellowship is different than the fellowship outside of church. Because we stand on something that unifies us. We stand on Jesus Christ's death and resurrection that cleanses us from sin so that we can no longer be afraid of the sin that, that binds us or that bound us, and that we can operate in freedom knowing that Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin so we can talk honestly. We can have real talk. And we can say, hey, what have you been reading? What's been sticking out to you? What's been challenging to you? That, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome, guys? Hey, we're all reading the same book, and we're, we're talking to each other about it. We're encouraging each other through it. That'd be cool. That would unify us so much. And if we were unified, man, what a difference that would make. What a difference that would make. We have fellowship because of Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus has done. Uh, I think back to the—okay, um, I was trying to think, okay, what's the— the best kind of community that I've been a part of. And I went to Northwest University, uh, a Christian university in, uh, in Kirkland. A lot of people, some of you guys might say, oh, Northwest College. It's a university now, okay? <laughs> it's not a college anymore. They built a library or something. I don't know, whatever put them up to the, now we have a, now we're university status. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the guidelines are for that, but I was thinking, and I, and I lived on campus all four years. And when I moved on to campus, I really did not want to be there. I thought these kids were stuck up. I thought they were prideful, like all these Christian kids. But as I lived on the floor longer and longer, uh, we began to—walls began to be broken down. We uh, began to talk to each other and get into each other's lives because you're living together. There's like 18 guys on one floor sharing a bathroom. It's just life, right? <laughs> A lot of you guys are like, that sounds awful. And it kind of was, but it was the best experience ever because we would stay up really late at night and the conversation just starts to turn serious. Has this ever happened to some of you guys? I know that a lot of you guys, this happened at camp, right? Like you stay up late, the conversation turns serious. I know because I had to kick some of you guys into bed and it's like, it's like 12.30, go to bed. Uh, but that is what would happen. We would be talking and, and we would start talking about real things. And we start praying for each other because we had this freedom in Jesus Christ that we knew, wow, our sin, our mess-ups, our follies, how we keep tripping up is not being held against us any longer because Jesus saved us from that. So we can talk real with each other, right? We can say, this is what I'm dealing with. Can you help me with this? Can you pray for me? Can you hold me accountable? And that was, that was four years of my uh, college life. Um, and I, as I graduated out, I'll, I will always look back on that and think, that was great community. That was uplifting. And that's, that was a, a little bit of taste of how the church should be. Hey, we have our good friends in here that we can encourage and pray for, pray for and, and, and we, can, um, we can get into each other's lives. And I can be honest about what I'm dealing with. And you can be honest about what you're dealing with so we can pray for each other, not condemn each other, but understand that Jesus saves us from sin so we can worship him through that. That's good. And it's because of what Jesus has done. Um, Jesus changes the way we live our life. Jesus changes the way we live our life. Um, 
I'm going to have uh, the guys um, that are helping with communion. You guys can come on up, whoever you are. Um, and John writes, as I said, in absolutes. And he says, okay, our fellowship should look different. We have fellowship because Jesus cleanses us from sin. Okay? We have fellowship because of what Jesus has done for us. Um, and he also, uh, but he, he also says things like, okay, if, if you know Jesus Christ, you're going to walk differently. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, right? If we walk in the light, if we know Jesus Christ, if we know who he is, if we understand what he's done for us, we're going to walk differently. And if you're walking in darkness, you might not really know Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And I I was burdened with this those last couple weeks. Because I, I, have a, I have a feeling, and I'm, I'm afraid that uh, our, ch- not, maybe not Northview, but the church in America, the, uh, this American Christianity is, okay, let's minimize sin. Let's minimize the effects of sin. Let's minimize the seriousness of sin. We, we work long days at the office, and, and we, uh, we want to come home, and, you know, we want to just sit on the couch and turn on the TV and, and uh, just have leisure time for the rest of the evening. Maybe we call it leisure time, but it might just be laziness. We're spending time in front of the TV instead of leading our families. It's become normal. That's, that's, what, that's what we do. That's what, that's what happens uh, in America. That's what happens. It just, it's, it's part of life. But we're not looking at it for what it really is, missing out on the opportunity to lead and pray and spend time with Christ. It's, it's become normal to uh, argue with family members or, or people that are close to us or our husbands and wives. And, um, and it's like, that's normal. That's just how we communicate now. Well, or is that just, is that sin? Or are we, are we bickering because we're sinful and we're not addressing the sin? And, and John says, no, if you know Jesus, you can't live like that. You can't live like that. You can't live in darkness. You have to address these, your sin issues in life. Uh, oh, thank you. And it's become normal, right, to live maybe in isolation to live outside of community, outside of fellowship, as funny as a word as that is, outside of uplifting community that challenges us and holds us accountable. Yeah, I, I'm just, we, we say, I'm just doing my life. I'm just, I'm just being independent. I'm just living how I want to live. But really what we're doing is minimizing the seriousness of sin. Now we need this body. We need this community. Because the truth is, there's a, there's a cost to sin. We can call it whatever we want, right? We can call it normal. We can call it, uh, it's just how life goes now. Yeah, everybody struggles with pornography, but that's just how life goes now. 
right? Every, people mess up all the time, and I don't really need to address anything because that's just normal. That's just normal life. Everybody gossips, and I don't gossip as bad as other people, but that's just normal life now. But John says, if you know Jesus, you're going to want to walk differently. And the truth is that there's a cost to that sin, and communion reminds us of that cost. Jesus sat down with his disciples, and, and he took bread, and, and he broke it. And I imagine the disciples thinking, oh, this is a little bit different than normal. This is a little bit different than what he's normally done. He says, this is my body that's broken for you because of your sin. He said, this is my body that's broken for you. He said, take, eat this. And in the same way, right, he took the cup and, and he held it up and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant that's shed for you because of our sin. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. And this is, that's the cleansing of our sin so that we can speak to God, so that we can know God. He says, as often as you do it, as often as you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. See, sin is serious. And, but on the other side, living in freedom of Jesus Christ is joyful, right? Understanding what Jesus has saved us from and what, understanding what Jesus has saved us to, uh, uh, to a life of community, to a life of fellowship, to a life of, uh, of building each other up and encouraging one another and battling together, battling the world together— that's what he's called us to, and he's called us to that through Jesus Christ. I love what Jesus says. He says, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. We just took communion, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. We, we are a forgetful people, are we not? We are a forgetful people. Um, guys, I don't want you to forget camp, Right? This was an amazing week for a lot of you guys. But we are forgetful people, and I would encourage you to do something. Take, uh, print out pictures, whatever it is, to remember your time at camp. We are forgetful people, and Jesus says specifically, do this in remembrance of me. Because he doesn't want us to forget the cost of sin. I'm going to leave you with this thought. As we look at our lives, as we look at Jesus Christ cleansing us from sin so that we can be in fellowship and be in community with one another, are we living differently because of what Jesus has done for us? Or if we never knew Jesus, if we never came to church, would our lives look any different? Or are we living differently because we know Jesus Christ? Because we know what he's done for us and we get to walk in the light. We get to walk in freedom of him cleansing us from sin.